This episode of The Jake is brought to you by Miller Lite, the original light beer. Miller invented light beer, the original 96-calorie Pilsner, and that changed everything. This led to fewer guys with beer bellies, which led to more women attracted to those guys, which led to dates, second dates, wedding bells, and honeymoons, which led to hubbada hubbada, boom, which led to you. Miller Lite, we invented light beer. And you, you're welcome. Welcome back to the Jake Podcast, episode 27. That's right. Episode 27 of the Jake, the Brian Shaw episode, okay? Cleveland Indians reliever who's been one of the staples of a really good Indians team the last five years and is pretty much like Cleveland personified in a baseball player, right? Because he's pretty good. He's underrated. Nobody knows who he is outside of Cleveland, and yet every time he's on a big stage, all anyone sees is the bad things, right? Like giving up the runs in the World Series, or giving up a big home run to Miguel Cabrera, or whoever it may be. You know, Brian Shaw has had a good career, and yet the only thing that people think of when they see him are the bad things. So, shout out to Brian Shaw. This episode is for you, the number 27, you know, and mainly because I, uh, I uh, couldn't really find anyone else with the number 27 in Cleveland lure after you, Brian. You know, you've got young Lonnie Chisenhall. Didn't wear it long enough. He's now number eight. Uh, Jarrett Wright, when he was coming up, he was a Cleveland prospect and a uh, young stud that they thought was going to be the future. Didn't really turn out too much like that, but still a pretty good pitcher. And Herb Score, legendary, but well before my time. Like, well, well before my time. So, you know, it's... It's up to you, Brian, and you are Cleveland personified, so congratulations. But enough about Brian and more about what is going on. How is everybody? This is Halloween week, thus the music that I chose went with a little bit of Ghostbusters theme song, which uh, obviously, you know, it's late October. we got Halloween coming up on Tuesday, and i got a great Ghostbusters story for you at the end of the episode. Uh, the Halloween episode, though, it's not quite Halloween just yet. This past week had a lot of fun at two of my very good friends' wedding. Uh, Chris Heine and Lauren Barry, after being together for like you know 11,000 years or whatever, are finally married. The wedding was amazing. Uh, it really was great. And uh, I'm very happy for the both of them. They're right now in New Zealand. They'll be listening to the podcast tomorrow morning, uh, well before any of you will. Because uh, they they are usually right really on top of it, and knowing Chris, he'll probably make them listen to it, you know, in the middle of like windsurfing or something fun that they should be doing and not listening to a, a podcast about Cleveland sports. But congratulations to them, and you know, 
this is only my first wedding of the year. I got another one in a couple weeks for a good friend of mine as well, where I'm a groomsman. And this is wedding, like, age, though. You know, I'm 28. Some of my friends have had, like, up to eight weddings this year. And it got me thinking, you know, what goes into, you know, everyone wants to compare weddings, which is kind of unfair. I don't like doing that. But when, when you know, this Heine Berry wedding, you know, everything was just top notch. So what do you, you know, and I want to tell people what was so good about it. Well, you start right with the church. They did it at St. Catherine's and which is a beautiful church. It's pretty small, but you know, it is like one of the top churches in this area. It's so beautiful. I've gone there for a couple weddings now. We got Pat Pegler's wedding was there. Uh, I'm going to have Tom's in a couple weeks. Uh, I've had uh, my cousin Marissa's there. I've had plenty of weddings there now. And I've been there for, you know, obviously mass growing up and a, a bunch of other things as well. So, you know, St. Catherine's was, you know, top-notch church. Uh, they had like six photographers there, including Mr. Scotto, who is, you know, a close family friend of theirs. And, you know, obviously a family friend of mine. And the whole location of everything was in the area. So... Early on, St. Catharines. Then the reception was at Clark's Landing, which has to be like the premier wedding location in Point Pleasant. Uh, first time ever being there. They had a small area looking out over the marina right as the sun was setting. We had some champagne out there, which everybody knows champagne is my drink. Uh, part of the gift that I got Chris and Lauren was uh, a nice champagne-themed like gift and a nice champagne card and everything. So... I think they're going to enjoy that. And coming from me being like a champagne guy, yeah, yeah, obviously. It, it, it fits the bill. But you go inside. They're handing you the champagne. Then you go into this, like, happy hors d'oeuvre hour, which was phenomenal. And this place, this was the only thing it could make me think of is if a library or, like, a study was looking over, like, a sunset marina. Like it's really, it was, it was an, like an anomaly. I've never seen a place like this and I've seen some really nice wedding venues. This one is top notch. So they got top notch church, top notch, like reception location. And then you go in, they had multiple bartenders that were really never busy. So they're always able to help you out. You know, you tip early so that they know you, you like snap and be like, Hey, I got this guy. I know this guy. Yeah. So, you know, you give him like 20 bucks early and he's got your back the rest of the night. It's a great move. And I actually didn't even, I didn't even have like my drink, my go-to drink all night because I wanted to experiment this time around and be like, all right, so what am I going to do going forward? What is my wedding drink going to be? It's always been Jack and Ginger, but that's mainly because I didn't want to, you know, get out of my shell a little bit. I kind of just got that because I never drink it in, except for weddings. And I was like, yeah, why not? Whatever. But I tried a little bit of this, a little bit of that. So it depended upon who I was going up to the bar with. So if it was Brian Poppert and he was like, I was like, Brian, what are you getting? He goes, I'm getting vodka soda. I'm like, all right, make it too. I'll have a vodka soda. And then when my friend Serena went up, I was like, okay, Serena, uh, what are you getting? Cosmo. Boom. First Cosmo ever. Never had a Cosmo before. Loved it. Sarah goes up. Boom. Malibu Bay Breeze. Bill goes up. Boom. Bud Light. You know, Tom goes up. Skinny Marks. I, I was all over the place. They don't do shots, but what they did do is, okay, can we have 10 uh, small drinks, hold the ice? And yeah, that's, I mean, you know, they did shots for us there. 
it was a great time. And as much as this sounds like, oh man, Jake probably got sloppy, messy, drunk, I was kind of okay. Like for what you would expect from me, I was not nearly the drunkest. I mean, I've seen, I was walking around, I saw a lot of people that were drunker than me. I was like taking care of people. And I mean, I was one of the last ones out. I was up and at them early and I was one of the last ones at the after party. But yeah, so the bar, I mean, you know, you got A plus church, A plus location, reception, A plus bar. The hors d'oeuvres, like this was probably the highlight. Eh, not the highlight, but it was one of the, the top three highlights of this wedding. You're walking around. They had tiny little cheesesteaks the size of your thumb, cheeseburgers. They had Korean barbecue. They had a raw bar. They had a martini bar. They had a sushi bar with sake bombs. They had really every single hors d'oeuvre you could think of. And the only problem I had with the hors d'oeuvre hour was there were just too many people there. You need to spread it out a little bit more, but there's really nothing you can do about that. Like everyone's going to crowd in the center where, you know, everyone wants to be in the middle. So, yeah, it's fine. And then obviously the band, the music, and the dance floor. And this was, this is where it really kicked ass because you had a band, this band was Groove, and they were great. And what they were able to do was play Bruce Springsteen, play all the wedding hits like Shout, you know, anything that you want at like typical weddings. And then they were also able to play like Third Eye Blind and then even go a little bit more obscure and like Taking Back Sunday and like emo pop songs like Yellow Card and they played like Sugar We're Going Down and all this like, you know, the horrible crap that came out when we were in like fifth grade that we all loved. And this is like right up Lauren Barry's like wheelhouse. Like this is her music. So they were able to really get like everything. Like that's what you want in your band. You want it to be able to, they don't need to be the best band of all time. They just need to be able to touch so, like they, the range is the important part of the band and they were great. And, and you know, it's, it's a lot of good competition because in a couple weeks, my man Pat Roddy is going to be doing the Scotto wedding, and I love Pat. He does a good show, so I'm excited for that, and he'll play all the songs I want him to play because you know we're tight, we're buddies, so that'll be fun. Okay, and then outside of the band, the music, the dance floor, I was ripping up on the dance floor. That's no surprise to anybody, and uh, there are a couple traditions that we brought to the dance floor. We had the belt limbo line made it back where, uh, I, you know, I don't know who to give credit for the first time. This could be Bill, could be Brendan. Uh, this time around, it was Pat who, who started the limbo line. And then after the limbo line, we did the spin the bottle dance roulette. And that went over so well at the, at the, bed, at the wedding. I mean... The first spin, it was like, okay, there were like 15 people around the circle. By the last spin, there was probably 40. Like everybody was in on the on the wheel. And as I'm filming it, the bottle spinning, I like I looked at Quan and Quan, one of uh, Heine's uh, uh, college buddies. I go, Quan, hold my drink because this I know this is landing on me. And he kind of like chuckled. And then it landed right on me, and he just is like laughing his ass off. I hand him my drink, I toss my jacket into the crowd, and I give them, I give the people what they want. I put the bands in the stands when I dance, and that's, I mean, hey, you're Jake Brainy, you gotta live up to a reputation. I get that. So, 
the the wedding was awesome. We brought our traditions in, and then we learned the new one, which is apparently everyone in the Barry family takes off their tie and puts it around their head. And uh, I uh, was kind of thinking I was above that, but then uh, I got a little sweaty, and I was like, yeah, I can put a tie on my head. Didn't do me wonders in the pictures. Uh, I mean, my jacket also got pretty wet, and my shirt got wet, and uh, the pictures didn't come out too well for me, but it's reg regardless. Had a great time. And it was a blast. The dance floor was hot. And after the dance floor, we uh, we packed it up and we went to Marina Grill where we saw the E Street Shuffle, which is another Heine band. And they played a Bruce set for us. By the time we got there, we were able to hear their last set that ended it with Santa Claus is coming to town. There was nobody at the bar except for Chris's wedding and... Even like Mr. Barry and Mr. Heine made it out, and they were the last ones to leave the bar. By then, we were getting a little sloppy. I was a little, little into the cups at that point and left. Uh, me and a couple other people left a little bit before the bar closed, but what a night. It was phenomenal. And they even hosted, the Barrys were so gracious enough to host the next morning brunch, and they do brunch. They had it catered. They had Bloody Marys, which I'm trying to get back into. I've never really been into Bloody Mary, so I'm trying to make that like a new thing. Like, hey, Jake, you can do this. Uh, mimosas, obviously, because that's what I do, the mabrosas. And yeah, the, I mean, the, the wedding itself. I mean, just going off of all the important things, it was A pluses across the board, green check marks, 100s, whatever you want to give it. And it's like the standard. I mean, that you went by everything that's important. And the biggest thing, the ver the number one thing is just the people that are there. Uh, obviously, I mean, I sat at a table with all of my best friends and then a lot of my old friends were there as well. Like, you know, the best man of the wedding is one of my best friends, Tom Scotto, and he's not in, even in like my friend group, but I was able to just be able to jump from, oh, my Spring Lake, like people that I know of really well over to my best friends I see all the time to some friends I don't see all that often, but I was, I was always, I was busy, I was snapping, I was jumping around, and that made it uh, that much more fun. And the people getting married, you know, these are two of my best friends, and it, it means more when you have two of your best friends getting married, right? Like, this has happened to me once before this, you know, last summer when Tara and Owen were getting married, and I read in their wedding, those are two of my best friends getting married. And it's different when you know both sides that well. Uh, a couple of years ago when Vin and Serena got married, another good friend of mine, I didn't know Serena that well. Now Serena's a really good friend of mine, but at the time, I still didn't know her all too well. And ever since then, we've become really good friends, but it's it says something when two of your really good friends are getting married, and it's really cool. And, uh, and I hope they're having a great time in New Zealand, and I mean, I'm sure they are. I'm seeing all the Snapchats. They're bungee jumping. They're hoverboarding. They're doing all the fun stuff, so... I imagine things are going really well. Anyway, wedding week is over. We're a couple weeks away from Tom's wedding where I've got all my tux measurements in. I can't wait for something to go terribly wrong in terms of that. No, I'm knocking on wood. Obviously, I don't want anything to go wrong there because that's really the only thing I'm responsible for at this point. I have no speech to write. I uh, just have to make sure I'm dressed and ready to go. I'm going to be without my beard. That's the big announcement here. Uh, gonna end up doing some uh, no beard November. Uh, I know this is a branding thing, but I'm not allowed to have the beard for the wedding. This is uh, I don't really know where this came from. Whether this is Tom's mom 
who doesn't want me to have the beard because she wants to make her other son, Michael, not have a beard. And I think Mike's defense is, well, Jake's got a beard. I can have a beard. But she made him shave, so now Mike's like, whoa, Jake's got shaved too. So uh, that's not looking good for me. Or it could be Tom's uh, wife, Meg. You know, maybe she just is like, hey, they all got to be clean. They're wearing tuxes. Cut it up. So I get it. I don't love it. I want my beard. I like my beard. But rules are rules, and I respect those who are getting married and, and those that are, you know, more important than me on this day. So you know what? The beard is going to be gone for the month of November. Maybe... I don't know, maybe I, I will grow it back by the time that Thanksgiving kicks around. It only takes me two weeks to grow this beard anyway. So we'll see how long I keep without it. But I do want it back in action for the December 2nd Heine Crawl in New York, which is going to be live. going to be great. Uh, probably have to podcast that morning and afterwards to get a whole the whole feel of it. And that will be a great snap story that I'm going to share with everybody that day. So yeah, so got a couple weeks till Tom's. That should be great as well. Probably going to just take off one either Friday or Monday there to make it a really fun three-day weekend because I cannot wait. This These are two really big weddings in my life, so I'm excited for that. Okay, off of weddings though. It's Halloween season. We've got Halloween coming up on Tuesday. I still am undecided on where I want to go costume-wise. Uh, I was thinking David Pumpkins, but I waited a little too long to get the suit, so that's looking super doubtful right now. Uh, there was an idea of maybe getting like an old school like Ghostbusters outfit, but then again, you know, if you're just one Ghostbuster, you're kind of just like a lone Ghostbuster. I don't really like the idea of that. I could try and convince my friends to do a group costume, but everyone's scattered on Saturday, so I don't really know who's around. This is kind of like a tough one. I don't know where I'm going to go. I'm likely going to just do my fallback and go back to Burt Macklin, FBI, from Parks and Rec. I think that's the way to go. I have the perfect costume for it. It's very authentic. I got the tie and the shirt. That's perfect. I made the jacket myself. I got the glasses. Everything is fine if I want to do Burt Macklin. I know it's kind of lame to do, to repeat a, a costume. But there might only be like three or four of us. I don't even know if the people I'm going to be hanging out with are going to be dressing up. So uh, if you have some any last-second thoughts, oh, God, I, for, I totally forgot about the Guy Fieri idea. I mean, this, this was the problem. I had way too many things going on with the move, with the weddings, with the bachelor parties, with my trip to Nebraska, to Cleveland. I had way too many things going on that Halloween kind of fell by the wayside, which it always does. So... Give me, give me some thoughts on costume ideas. Comment below on what you think I should roll with for Saturday night. One thing, okay, so this is the big one. We had the trick-or-treaters in today in the office, right? And the candy that I brought in, I brought in like the top-notch, top-shelf fun size candies. And that's inspired me to do this week's top five. And I'm going to start with number one and not number five, because there's a lot of debate that goes on at number five here, so I want to kind of save that for the end here. So I'm going to do my top five Halloween candies to get in the bag when you're trick-or-treating, right? Okay, so the stipulations here are simple. It's got to be fun size, right? We're not going to do king size, because obviously that changes the game if you get like the four-pack of Reese's Cups or, or a giant Hershey almond bar. These things have to be able to be in fun size and, you know, go from there. And the other rule is they cannot be uh, homemade. 
they have to be like the mass produced ones, right? These are Halloween candies we're talking about, okay? All right, so number one, this is clear. This is plain and simple. It's the Aaron Rodgers of the Halloween candies. It's the peanut M&M. I mean, you get the little fun size. You can eat like seven of those little fun size bags and not even realize that you've been eating it. Those are number one to me by far. It's not even that close. Number two is the Reese's Cup. Obviously, like peanut butter chocolate combo is everybody loves. If you're not a peanut butter fan, I'm sorry. That's, that's really unfortunate because Halloween is like Reese's season, and I love it. Um, back to the peanut M&Ms, though. If you like pe if regular M&Ms over peanut M&Ms, you're crazy. Like, you're just, a, you're just a psychopath because it's a completely different candy. It's not – M&Ms themselves aren't that great. Peanut M&Ms, oh, great. Okay, so number two, Reese's Cup. Number three, going with the classic Snickers bar. Gotta love a Snickers. You know, a lot of people will, you know – go Milky Way here, but I, I think Snickers is just fine. Chocolate, caramel, the nuts, everything. It, it's, a, it's a good good candy bar, and it's a classic. you got to have a couple of them in your Halloween bag. When you're going to the trick-or-treaters, it's the constant. It's always there. It's a perennial all-star. It's basically LeBron James. It's just every time it's out there, so it can't be beat. You know, it, When it turns into bars, Snickers is the best candy bar. Reese's got the cups. Peanut M&M's got the pieces. Snickers got the bar. Okay, so the number four Halloween candy. Going a little off the wall here, but I don't think there's going to be much debate, and it's a Twix. A caramel peanut butter chocolate cookie. Sometimes it has peanut butter. I'm not going to go off the wall too much, but the Twix with the caramel chocolate cookie is great. Now, this edges out a couple that are in this category, right? Like Kit Kat is a direct competitor of the Twix, but the caramel and the Twix kind of puts it over the top, right? Okay, number five is where we get a lot of debate, okay? You know, a lot of people like the Milky Way here. That's a good one. Three Musketeers, also a great one. Regular M&Ms, not even close. Kit Kat, nope, not happening. Almond Joy is an interesting top uh, for, for the top five. You know, I like coconut. I like the Almond Joy a lot. I don't think it's in my top five. If I had five Halloween candies, um, I'm not rolling with that one. The big competitor here, I think this is the dark horse, is the Chunky Bar. You know, but a lot of people don't like raisins. I like raisins. Uh, I'm a big Mr. Good Bar fan as well. You can go a lot of different directions with number five. But I'm going with the Baby Ruth. I think the Baby Ruth is a good one. It's underrated. Yeah, yeah, the Baby Ruth here is good. So, yeah, a lot of people like the 100 grand bar. Tons of different that so you can be doing in the top five. But my top five is set with peanut M&M's number one, Reese's Cup, Snickers, Twix, Baby Ruth. Tell me where I'm wrong. Tell me where I'm right. What am I missing? What am I bringing to you? What am I handing out to you guys when you come to visit me for trick-or-treating? All right, tell me what you want in your bag. Also, okay, so the other thing is you got to continue, you know, this might be a little different when you're doing your top five versus what you would want if you had five on an island, right? Like, if I had five candies for the rest of my life, I might drop Baby Ruth and I might bring in something with variety, maybe some Starburst, right? I don't want Starburst at Halloween, you know, so that's why it doesn't make it there or Skittles, 
or like, you know, you can go any gum route or like lollipops, something like that. To You want variety in the five for the rest of my life conversation. But if we're just talking about five for Halloween, I got to go chocolate every time. Like I need chocolate in each one of those. Halloween to me is chocolates, not candy. I don't want Twizzlers at Halloween. I don't want Starburst or Skittles or any of like the lemon drops or any of any of those like sweet ones. I want chocolate. You know, that's that's the big debate here is where does it belong? Because if you're going to have five candies for the rest of your life, it's a different topic because you want that variety. I don't want a Baby Ruth and a Snickers, right? Like they, they are direct competitors of each other. I think they're both great and they're right at the top. But think about it. If you're building a basketball team, you're not going to put five point guards on there. Even if the five point guards are the best five players in the league, you need variety. You need to be able to change it up. And that's where Skittles and Starburst come in. Uh, I think that's an important debate that we need to talk about in this world. So that's why I brought it up. Okay, this week in Jake News. Jake News, everybody. The JFK files are coming out. I haven't looked into them yet, but I know it's a big topic. Trump is releasing them, or the government is. I don't really know who's involved here. But I'm really excited for all of these conspiracy theories to come out. I One of my favorite projects ever in high school was... Miss Sullivan's American history class, she asked, give us the most detailed conspiracy theory you can put about the JFK assassination. And mine ran like four times longer than it was supposed to. It was supposed to be like a three-page thing. I ended up going like 10, 11, 12 pages on this. And she gave me an A- minus, and she was like, I mean, you're just way too long. Like, it was just too long. It was too much. Like, I, I incorporated like Marilyn Monroe in it and like... Hoffa and Joe DiMaggio and like like I I I went a little bonkers with this one. This was like Charlie Day in like Always Sunny when he's got the Pepe Silvio file. This was a little little much. But the one thing I'm looking for, if I'm gonna have a conspiracy theory come true, it's this that the Warren Commission is Lyndon B. Johnson's cover up for the murder. The assassination. So keep that in mind when all this shit comes out, when it's mostly redacted material, and it does, and none of this will mean anything anyway. My big bold prediction for conspiracy theory is that the Warren Commission that was supposed to solve the case was actually the cover up for the whole case itself. Can't wait to read into this and find out that really we don't learn anything because that's what obviously what's going to happen. Everyone's getting their hopes up, whatever. But give me your best cons uh, conspiracy theory. Comment on uh, my thread. What uh, conspiracy theories are we going to address? I'm going to do a conspiracy theory podcast this winter. Uh, I'm going to have special guest Vin Vinci on who's a big conspiracy theory guy. We're going to do a conspiracy theory party in January. I think it's going to be January. Don't have the date yet for that, where everyone's going to bring in their best historical conspiracy theory, whether it's recent, like, hey, if some people have a conspiracy about, like, the Vegas thing or the NFL versus the players, that's fine. That's topical. Or if you want to go back to the JFK thing, you want to go back to even farther than that, that works too. Really excited. Conspiracy Theory Party, hopefully January. 
and we'll have a conspiracy theory podcast. Can't wait for that one. But for now, we'll just be looking forward to the JFK conspiracy theory files. Okay. Before I let you go, got uh, one more Halloween topic, and it's a little Jake story time. This one, uh, a couple of you have heard before, a couple haven't. Uh, really excited to tell this one, though. I told on Facebook every year around Halloween, I love to tell this one. So back when I was doing like rec soccer days, right? So this was like 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, that range. Went trick-or-treating out in Spring Lake with my family. We usually did my dad, my Uncle Jay, um, my sister, my cousin Kate, my cousin John. And we would just go around Spring Lake. Sometimes we would have my neighbors, like the, the Scotto brothers would be around. Other times would be other guys from like uh, St. Catharines that I would see. But the core was usually my sister, my dad and I, and then my Uncle Jay, John and Kate. Came back, counting up all of our candies. I'm playing the Halloween soundtrack while we're watching whatever's on TV that Saturday night or Friday night. It was definitely a Friday night. We're counting up all of our candies like you do on th- on Halloween, and it's time to go to bed. And my mom, and my mom is getting frustrated because I'm still up. I'm eating the candies, and I'm just playing the Halloween album, except that I just wanted to hear the Ghostbusters song. So I put Ghostbusters theme song on repeat because I'm like, yeah, I fucking love this song, you know, like, like this is this is you know, it's like the ultimate <sighs> Halloween song. I love it. I'm a big fan. And uh, I wanted it played over and over and over and over again. And my mom was getting really pissed. So she was like, fucking turn it off. Um, there's That's enough. And I was like, okay, fine. I turned it off. Problem was, I had it on like the speakers. And the whole sound system goes throughout the house. So if you just push a button, you turn it off per room. So I just turned it off in the dining room, the kitchen, and the living room. I was like, okay, fine. I just click those buttons. Remember, I'm a kid. I'm like 9, 10 years old. I don't really know the ins and the outs of our sound system. What I didn't know is that it was still on. So I didn't actually turn off. I just turned off in those three rooms. But we also had speakers on the patio and on the porch. And since this was on repeat, it just repeated over and over and over again all throughout the night. So this probably went on from 10, 11 o'clock at night all the way until the next morning when I was getting up and getting ready to go to soccer, rec soccer in the morning, and I go outside to get my cleats in the garage, and I'm like, what is that? And I open up the door outside, and it's a Ghostbusters theme song, and I'm like freaking out. I'm like, holy shit, I never turned it off last night. Immediately run in push a bunch of buttons, turn it off, and I'm like, oh my god, uh, what did I do? And now, you know, at the time, that's a problem that a nine-year-old has to deal with. Like, nowadays, I'm like, oh my god, I wish that was my biggest problem. But at the time, that was a big fucking deal. So I was so nervous that the neighbors were going to be pissed, whether it was the Scottos, the Mazers, or uh, the, the Drews. And to be honest, none of them ever complained about it. Uh, I posted on Facebook a year or two ago, and it's now my favorite story every Halloween that, you know, I get to, you know, Ghostbusters probably played for nine, ten hours in one night on repeat, 
right across the street from the Spring Lake Police Station, but it was on our porch and patio. So one of my favorite Halloween stories, and of course why I chose that song to host this episode. But again, thank you very much. This uh, loving, loving doing this. We've got a couple things coming up. The Scotto Wedding in a couple weeks, November 11th. That'll be a big one to talk about, and I'll have to have Tom on beforehand, grill him, get him ready for his wedding. So uh, I guess that won't be next week. It'll be the week after. I'll try to get Tom on the podcast and really have him ready to go for his wedding. Other than that, you got the World Series. Right now it's tied 1-1. Two really good games. Last last night's game two, Dodgers had a two-run lead, gave up the two runs in the eighth and the ninth inning to tie the game. Then the, and then the Astros took a two-run lead in the tenth in which the Dodgers tied it back up. And then the Astros scored two more in the 11th, and Dodgers hit another home run. There were six home runs from the ninth inning on in last night's game. It was an all-time World Series classic. I love that I don't have a rooting interest for Houston or for L.A. Um, you know, it's it, if, if it was the Yankees, I'd be rooting against the Yankees. I know that's... Yeah, it's just it's just how it is. The Yankees are like the evil hated empire, and that's I'm always going to root against them, especially since they beat the Indians in the playoffs. So don't take it personally, Yankee fans. I just uh, I was going to be rooting against them if they're in the World Series, but this is great because I don't have to root against anybody. I can just root for good, watchable baseball, and that's what we're getting in this World Series so far through two games. I'm thinking this is this is going to be a long series at one one. L.A. is not going to get swept in Houston. So I think this goes back to L.A. 3-2. Just won't be, you know, got to see who it's going to be up 3-2. You know, maybe if L.A. is up 3-2, this doesn't go 7. We'll see. I just want to see really good baseball. And it's been fun to watch so far. This will be a lot more fun. Also ahead, you know, we've got, I said this got a wedding. The World Series. Got a whole NBA season ahead of us. The Browns are in London this weekend, so, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe they'll win. I could see them winning only because, not because they're going to be better than the Vikings or anything like that, because they're the worst team in the NFL, and they should be underdogs against every team they play. But I could see them winning because I can already see them finishing the season with one win and people being like, Oh, Browns haven't won in America since. And it's like, yeah, okay, if you want to start statistics out like that, that's fine. Whatever, be my guest. But this is, uh, yeah, we'll have episode 28 coming up. We'll do a, a midseason NFL report. Going to have a new theme song coming up soon with Pat Roddy doing the theme song. Going to get on iTunes. I know I get teased for not being on iTunes yet, but... Going to jump on that now that my schedule's clearing out a little bit. I'll probably have more time to do that. Got to get my buddy Drew D'Amico to help me out with that. And yeah, do a little mid-season NFL report. Do a fantasy football update. I know a lot of people want to talk fantasy football. I'm overdue on a fantasy football talk. So I got to get my guys Joe Rapola on. I got to get Zach Flaherty on. Got to get Tom Scotto on. Lots of guests coming in the month of November. Got some fun college football. I mean, Notre Dame is fun to watch again. Ohio State, Penn State this weekend will be a fun game. This is middle of college football season. We got chili coming up, too. We're going to be making some fucking chili this this winter. Really exciting stuff. This is a fun time of the year. The podcast won't be as fun in January when there's really 
or February when there's really not much to talk about. But for now, really good stuff. Good times. Everyone, don't forget to comment, like my stuff, retweet, share my stuff, and uh, and we'll be jumping on more Jake gear at the turn of the new year. Maybe some long sleeve shirts. Who knows? Anyway, thank you again for listening. Uh, congratulations again to Chris and Lauren uh, Heine uh, on a great wedding and best of luck on a successful and happy marriage. And a special shout out to my Uncle Kevin, who's very sick right now and he's in the hospital. Love you, Uncle Kevin. Please feel better. Rooting for you. Can't wait to see you at the holidays. Uh, again, thank you, everyone. Have a good week.